Hey, welcome to the Guilt, Grace, Gratitude podcast. This is Catechism Thursday, episode number eight. We will be talking through Heidelberg Catechism question answers 24 and 25. 25 is a little bit longer, 24 is a little bit shorter. So this should only take about 10, 15 minutes, but please stay tuned for the end of this particular podcast as we have some huge announcements for next season. So stay tuned. Let's start. Question 24. How are these articles, those Apostles' Creed articles, divided? Answer. Into three parts. The first is about God the Father and our creation. The second about God the Son and our redemption. The third about God the Holy Spirit and our sanctification. So Rosinus has two objections and two answers to this. Objection one, creation is here attributed to the Father, redemption to the Son, and sanctification to the Holy Ghost. Therefore, the Son and the Holy Ghost did not create heaven and earth. Neither did the Father and the Holy Ghost redeem the human race, nor did the Father and the Son sanctify the faithful. He answers, We deny the consequence which is here deduced, because the creed attributes creation to the Father, redemption to the Son, and sanctification to the Holy Ghost, not exclusively or in such a manner as these works do not belong to all the persons of the Godhead. So all of these belong to all the Godhead. Objection number two. All these works cannot be divided between the persons of the Godhead. Therefore, they are invisible, and consequently, there is no need of this distinction. His answer, the Father does all things of himself through the Son and Holy Spirit. The Son does all things of the Father through the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit does all things of the Father and the Son through himself. And let me read this short little excerpt from Rosinus, because it's fantastic. In making this distinction, however, we must not overlook the distinction and the order of working which is peculiar to the persons of the Godhead. The work of creation is attributed, attributed to the Father, not exclusively, nor to him alone, but because he is the fountain of divinity, and of all divine works, and so of creation. For he created of himself all things by the Son and Holy Ghost. Redemption is attributed to the Son, not exclusively, nor to him alone, but because the Son is that person who immediately performs the work of redemption. For the Son alone was made a ransom for our sins. It was the Son, and not the Father or the Holy Ghost, that purchased us by his death upon the cross. So, in like manner, sanctification is attributed to the Holy Ghost, not exclusively, nor to him alone, but because the Holy Ghost is that person who immediately sanctifies us, or because it is through him that our sanctification is immediately effected. Question 25. Since there is only one God, why do you speak of three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Answer, because God has so revealed himself in his word that these three distinct persons are the one 
true eternal God? And then our scientist gives us eight questions and answers based upon this. From what does it appear that there is a God? He says, order and harmony in nature, a rational nature in man that necessitates an intelligent being to produce it. Morality must come from a moral source and the innate knowledge of a God, knowledge of a guilt of sin, rewards of the righteous and punishment of the wicked in this world, civil order in general society, furthering the abilities of these civil authorities for the good, prophecies in the Old Testament, end of all things not by chance but by the providence of God, finite causes an effect from a finite beginning by an infinite being. Meaning, if there's finite causes and effects, there has to be a beginning, and that beginning must be infinite. Two, what is the character of that God whom the church acknowledges and worships? And in what does he differ from heathen idols? God is spiritual. He has no body. God is intelligent. He is a source of all wisdom. God is eternal. He has no beginning or end. God is different from his creation, but he interacts with it. God is incomprehensible. He will never be fully known. God is perfect. Nothing could be added to him to increase his glory or happiness. God is immutable. He does not change who he is. God is omnipotent. God can do all things he wills to do. God is omniscient. He knows all things and their causes. God is perfectly good. As displayed in the long gospel, he's a source of all good and judgment. God is just. He does all according to his perfect judgment and righteousness. God is true. He has true knowledge of all that is. God is pure. He is perfectly consistent within himself. God is merciful. He always pardons the repentant. God is bountiful. He creates and preserves all things. And God is free. He is free from any outside constraint. Question three. Is he but one? And in what sense do the scriptures call creatures gods? There is only one God who reigns over all, who is perfect to the highest degree. He's the only omnipotent. He's the only all-powerful. He's the only perfectly sufficient. He has all within himself that he needs. He's the only infinite. He's the only cause of all things. And he's the highest good. What do the terms essence, person, and trinity signify? And in what do they differ? Essence is a thing that subsists by itself, meaning it is not sustained by anything other but it can communicate to others. It can give, it can, it can display itself to others. It can give it of itself to others. Person is an individual, living, intelligent, incommunicable, which means it's not shared with creation, and it's not sustained by another, nor part of another. And what is a trinity? Three distinct persons in one divine essence. Number five, is it proper to restrain these names in the church, to retain these names in the church? Yes, 
The word Trinity exists in the words and forms of speech that signify the same thing in Scripture, even if it doesn't say it explicitly. Yes, for interpretation requires that Scriptures should be expounded to all, signifying the same thing taken from common language. Yes, to make sure we have a defense against heretical views of the Godhead. How many persons of the Godhead are there? Remember that definition. Individual, not shared with creation, not sustained by another, not part of another. So, how many persons of the Godhead are there? There are three persons that subsist in one essence of God, that divine essence. They are distinct in their properties, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. These three are consubstantial and co-eternal. They all share perfectly in this divine essence. It's not 100% for each one. It is they all share perfectly, and they're all true and eternal God. So then how are these persons distinguished from each other? By their works within the Godhead, the Father exists in himself. The Son is begotten of the Father. The Holy Spirit proceeds eternally from the Father and the Son. The divine essence is communicated between their persons perfectly and fully. And then by their works known to man, Father works by the Son and the Spirit and sends them. Son works through the Spirit, sends him, the Spirit, from the Father into the hearts of those who believe. The Spirit works and is sent from both the Father and the Son, not from himself. And then lastly, why is it necessary for the church to hold fast to the doctrine of the Trinity? On account of the glory of God, that, may he, that, that he may thus be distinguished from idols, with whom he will not be confounded. He will not be confused, and that he may know he may be known and worshipped as one who has revealed himself to be, on account of our comfort and salvation. For no one is saved without a knowledge of God the Father. No one knows the Father outside the Son, whom the Spirit has revealed. So thank you for tuning in to Catechism Thursday number eight. As you guys heard. This past Monday, Apologetics is the last episode of Season 1. Stay tuned for next Monday. We have a special inner episode, a special episode of me preaching on the Tower of Babel from the Reformed perspective and a special preview of what Season 2 has to offer. You will not want to miss this. I promise you. So we will see you next week.